Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Well, shalom, dear friends, and thank you for listening to the Chosen People Radio Program. With me is our co-host, Bobby Walter. Bobby leads the work of Chosen People Ministries in Brooklyn, New York. Welcome, Bobby. Yes, thank you, Mitch. Shalom, and shalom to all of our listeners. Uh, very excited, Mitch, to pick up where we left off last week on our uh, on our new series here on the names of God. Yeah, we're still we're still doing our best to introduce the topic, and I hope that you find it helpful. So we're going to go back uh, back to Genesis. You know, it's always good to go back to Genesis. Uh, it's the beginning of it all. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about the creation of Adam and Eve just just for a moment. Remember, that was his last act of creation. And he said, he didn't say it was good. Remember what God said, Bobby? Yeah, he said it was tov me'od, very good. Very good, very, very good. good. <laughs> yeah, so in, in chapter two, God says very good. In chapter three, sa- God says, whoops, you know, <laughs> this didn't go the didn't quite go the way that I wanted it to go. And so in chapter two, we read in verse seven, then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a nefesh chaya, a living being. So when Adam and Eve were created, they were created in the image of God. God implanted, as we said last week, his communicable attributes, Mm -hmm. those aspects of his nature, on the soul of mankind. And then, of course, in chapter 3, that image was corrupted during the fall of of man, and I, you know, I, I think I have to put women in there too. So I'm going to be fair when it comes to the fall. Okay, so men and women fell, and something happened to the image of God that was implanted on their soul. So explain it to us, Bobby. What happened? Yeah, yeah. Well, Mitch, since that just devastatingly unholy moment where we willfully chose to disobey God. Really, from that moment, the story of mankind has been the saga of redemption, whereby God is working to repair and to restore uh, in man his image through forgiveness, through the work of his Holy Spirit, which indwells those who are forgiven, those who, have, uh, those who are redeemed. Um, so, you know, in essence, what God has been doing from that moment is that he's working towards reversing the curse uh, which fell upon Adam and Eve and all of mankind, reversing that curse um, uh, to to repair, to uh, restore, to make us righteous again, uh, so that we would be, you know, the terminology that's used, especially in the New Testament, is be transformed into his image and likeness, or conformed to the image and likeness of his son. So, the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. I love that passage, and it it gives me such hope, and uh, gives me a sense that God is looking for progress uh, for me, and His Spirit 
is leading me to progress. Mm-hmm. And, and so what does it mean in practical terms? It means that as you become, when you become a believer, God's purpose for you is to make you more and more like himself. Right. And when we see him, Yeshua, Jesus, uh, will eventually be like him. Right. And, um, and that's, that's the goal. I love Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, about the nature of, of Jesus. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You know, there's a, there's a lot of great stories from a lot of great preachers about what it means to be restored and transformed into the image of Christ. Uh, we do understand that we took one massive fall and it, it, it broke the relationship with God and really broke our soul. And where God's image in us has been marred. And yet, you know, we still have uh, remnants of, of, of God's mm. character in, in our soul. We are capable of good things. We're capable of kindness. We're capable of justice. We're capable of mercy. I mean, look at all the wonderful things that mankind has done uh, when it comes to hospitals, when it comes to feeding the poor, when, you know, there's just, man has done a lot of good. You know, we sometimes focus on the evil and we are sinners and it's, it, we deserve uh, the, the judgment that we receive. But there is, there's so much good that mankind has done and that, dear listener, that you've done. You've been a, a good example to your kids you've, or your grandchildren. You're a faithful member of, of your church or your congregation. And you've shown love and you've built unity and you've done all sorts of, of good things. And so God wants us to reflect the image of Jesus. And when we reflect the image of Jesus, then we're not quite the radiance of his glory but people can see some sparks flying around right. and they, they can see a little bit. And so it's not, uh, a, not a hopeless thing. Now, the names of God help us understand what God is like. And so it's sort of like when you keep staring at something, you know, you, you, you start understanding it better. But there are times when the more you look at something, the more you become like something. So I've seen this in marriages, you know, where married couples start using the same words. They start having the same facial expressions, you know, and, and I think it's, it's a wonderful thing, actually. The more we look at Jesus in the Word and as we commune with him, uh, the more we understand about Jesus and the more we understand about God the Father— well, the more we become like him. Right. And, and so we ask the Lord to help us gaze upon his nature. And knowing the names of God is a great way to do that. Bobby. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I'm convinced that this is such an important study, you know, uh, that we're going to go through over these next weeks. And it is hopeful, Mitch, like you said. Uh, you know, the scripture, I think, makes it pretty clear that we are capable of change. And the change that's being done in our hearts and in our lives, praise God, is not totally our work at all. I, no. I would argue it's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's yeah. the work of God himself. 
bringing about this transformation in our hearts, in our lives, in our thought patterns, uh, in the way that we treat each other, in our relationships, in our marriages. Um, and it's, it's hopeful. It's, uh, I think it's challenging. And it's, it can be painful at times. But ultimately, it's beautiful. It's beautiful it because is. he's transforming us into his image and likeness and restoring us back to what was lost in the garden uh, when, when all creation was pure and perfect. And if we want to know what we're supposed to look like, we just have to look at Jesus. Right. That's who we're supposed to, that's where God's bringing us. So that every day we look more and more like him. And the names really help us when we understand them. So, Bobby, I think we've introduced it enough. Let's jump in a little bit. So, Bobby and I would like to begin this whole study by making sure we cover something that is not covered in most books on the names of God. I think one set of names for God are left out, and that's the Old Testament names for Jesus, because we believe Jesus is God. That's at the heart of everything we say and what we do. And so, some of the names for God that were applied, at least prophetically, to Jesus and then applied in the New Testament to Jesus uh, are found in the book of Isaiah. And so, I wanted to look at these just for a moment. So, in Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7, uh, we read, Bobby, want to read it? Sure, sure. It says this, uh, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. If you look at the last part of chapter 9, verse 7, Isaiah said, and there will be no end to the increase of his government, mm -hmm. implying that whoever this ultimate Davidic king is, that that Davidic king is God himself. Right. Because it will be an everlasting rule and an everlasting reign. And so it only makes sense that these four couplets of names, prophetic names for God, uh, for Jesus, they would imply a divinity. So look at them with me for a moment. So uh, the first one is Peleoetz, wonderful counselor. Uh, I, I love what Paul says in uh, Romans 11, where he says that God doesn't need a counselor. Hmm. You know, who can offer God advice? So you have a wonderful counselor, um, but this wonderful counselor uh, is actually divine. So the wonderful counselor doesn't counsel God or the king, counsels himself. And so he is a wonderful counselor. Now, we do believe that God is a wonderful counselor and that he speaks to us through his word and by his spirit, gives us comfort, helps us understand difficult situations and relationships. Um, always, always like that. But he is a wonderful counselor. That's who he is by his nature. And then the next one is also quite interesting, and it's quite obvious that this is a divine name, Mighty God. Mm -hmm. any, any thoughts on that one, Bobby? Yeah, yeah. So El Gibor is what it is in Hebrew, Mighty God. And this is honestly incredibly profound 
that Isaiah is using this, uh, this title, this name, uh, to talk about a son that's going to be born to us, to talk about a human being. To I, I mean, it's it's in, it's just so clear. How could a how could a kid be mighty God? I mean, exactly. I've heard of Jewish parents, you know. Talking about their child in exalted terms, sure. you know? Jewish mothers especially. Jewish mothers, you know, but this is going a little far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and El Gibor, I mean, it implies incredible might when it comes to creation and rule and reign. Uh, the word Gibor is oftentimes translated as warrior also. And so uh, not only will he be, I'm sorry, the word, um, the word uh, mighty. Uh, El is always the word for God, mm-hmm. just so you know. You'll hear that a lot. Uh, but Gibor is a warrior. So he is, he, is, he is mighty in battle, so to speak. And uh, he is the one who fights battles for us. You see, um, again, knowing the names of God, even prophetically that are applied to our divine Savior, Jesus— Knowing the names for God have very practical use for us. Mm-hmm. We know that he is a wonderful counselor and that he can, his advice is better than anyone's. And, uh, and then secondly, he is a mighty, all-powerful warrior. So if you've got battles to fight, there's nobody better to fight them than the Lord God himself. And so if you feel alone in the battle, you're not alone in the battle because the, the mighty God, the warrior God, lives within you by his spirit. And so, dear brother and sister, why are you fighting so hard <laughs> when, when the Lord is, is ready to fight for you? So, sometimes the names of God cause us to relax a little bit and to allow the one who fights our battles to, to, to fight in our place. And sometimes we win wars through prayer mm. and we win battles through prayer because uh, we see our human battles in light of his presence, and, and we realize that we're trying to fight things on our own that we should turn to him and let him fight. You know, a lot of our battles, Bobby, are battles because we're believers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's not like we're picking fights with everybody all the time, but when it comes to uh, various areas of ethics and morals and, and values, you know, we're constantly embattled as believers, aren't we? Because this world's a dark place. It's not the God of this world rules this world that's passing away. And we, we're, we're part of a different universe, you know, and we're not, of the, we're not in the world. We're of the world. And, and so we have battles. Isn't it good to know that, that one of these prophetic names for Jesus, the Messiah, Savior, and Lord of all, is that he is a mighty warrior and he fights the battles. So God is the one who fights our battles. We just need to sometimes let him do it. Mm-hmm. So what's, what's the third one, Bobby? Yeah, so the, the third one is Aviad, which means eternal father or everlasting father, which again, we're getting a glimpse into the window of, of God's nature and character. Uh, yes, he's a counselor, a wonderful counselor. Yes, he's a, a mighty warrior God, protective and uh, helps us and fights our battles, but also he's our father. And he's wow. eternal. He has no end. I mean, to me, that's just spectacular, yeah. you know? Now, commonly, you read a lot of Christian books offering practical help, which, you know, we need. But sometimes I think they go a little too far, uh, particularly pushing the psychological angle on some things. It is true that, particularly if you have fathers who are not believers, that 
they may not have been the best father. And certainly forgiving your own father is, is an important step in coming into a relationship with your heavenly father because it's not good to project your earthly father onto your heavenly father, particularly if your, hev- your earthly father was not the best example. And I'd say, you know, many people have that issue. But I want you to know that he's the perfect father. And you do have a relationship with a perfect father. He loves you. He cares for you. He knows what's best for you. You can trust him. Again, he fights your battles with you. He is a perfect father. And so sometimes we do need to ask the Lord to help us let go of any negative images we have about a father. And and many people do. We live in a fallen world. Let's face it. Um, But he is an all good father. And, um, and so, you know, I, I just love this passage and the fact that he's an eternal father just makes, makes it even better. So this is a father we will have forever. A lot of us have lost our fathers and, and even if the fathers were not the best fathers, we usually love them very much. And so the loss of a father is really tough to handle. Imagine having a loving father who's perfect that you'll never lose. Mm. Isn't that great? It's beautiful. I, I love the names of God. And the last one, and we'll close with this one. Yeah, the last one is Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, man. So he not only reigns on David's throne, uh, David was a pretty embattled guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, he was fighting his whole life. You know, between, between Saul, the Philistines, and his own family, he was embattled, you know. Um, but in this instance, we understand that the ultimate son of David is not going to be an embattled son of David. Actually, he's going to rule over a world of peace. Why? Because he died for our sins. He's returning to reign as king. He's going to conquer the enemies of Israel and of all ungodliness, and he will establish a rule of shalom. And the knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters fill the sea. One day there will be absolute perfect peace when the Prince of Peace is on the throne. So what does that mean for us today? Does the fact that he's in our life mean that we can have a more peaceful life? I think so. So how do we live with God's peace in a troubled world? Yeah. Well, I think clinging to the fact that we can find so much hope in this promise from God. So the, the, the fact that he is the Prince of Peace, yes, he went to the cross, he died for us, he has already secured the victory and secured his rightful place on the throne, and nothing is going to succeed against that. Even if we live in a tumultuous stage of history right now, we can find peace, we can live with peace, we can, we can, uh, we can find comfort in the midst of the, the tribulation because we know that he is faithful, that he is true. And that this is the reality. He is. His identity, his name is revealed to us. He is the Prince of Peace. And because he's the Prince of Peace, we can have peace. Yeah. And it's, it's, a great, it's a great promise. So he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. That is our Jesus, our Savior, God's Son. In him is all of the characteristics of God, both communicable and incommunicable. He set some aside while he was on earth, but he is truly God in the flesh. And because of him, we have peace. 
each and every day. We just have to rely on him and ask him to fill our hearts with peace. The Jewish people are scattered throughout the world. You might live in the middle of a Jewish community or in the middle of the heartland with no Jewish neighbors for a hundred miles. Maybe your best friend in college was Jewish or the only interaction you've had was watching a Jewish actor on TV. Maybe you visited Israel and fell in love with the land and its people, or you haven't, and visiting Israel would be a dream come true. No matter where you live, who you know, or what you do, one thing is true. Israel and the Jewish people have played a huge role in world history and are still an important part of God's plan. After all, God chose this tiny people group to bring salvation to the whole world. Through Messiah Jesus. If it weren't for the Jewish people, we would not have a relationship with the Father as we have it today. But sadly, many Jewish people still do not know Jesus as their Messiah, and God's heart still breaks for them. So let's join in their story, playing the role that God wants us to play in their salvation. As Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans 1.16 do you want to see the power of God? Unite with his heart to reach the Jewish people for Jesus, and you will see him unleash his purpose, promise, and power in your church and community like never before. Let's make God's priority our priority. Chosen People Ministries exist to pray for, evangelize, disciple, and serve Jewish people all across the world. And we also want to help equip fellow believers to do the same. Our mission was founded in 1894 by Rabbi Leopold Cohn, and we have a zeal to share the knowledge of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, with God's chosen people. If you'd like to help us do the same, we invite you to go online and learn more. You'll find us at chosenpeople.com radio. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. This ministry exists to pray for, evangelize, disciple, and serve Jewish people everywhere, and to equip believers to do the same. So if you'd like to know more about us, let me encourage you to stop by our website and explore. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. And we even have a free gift for you just for connecting with us today. That's right, Bobby. The book, great book, Why Israel, explores Israel through the lens of Scripture, bringing clarity to this sometimes controversial topic, such as, has the church replaced Israel in God's plan? Does Israel still have a hope for the future? What about the modern state of Israel today? This book by Tommy Fretwell is an introductory study about the role God's given to the Jewish people and the land of Israel. Tommy writes with spiritual passion and insight. I know you're just going to love this book. So we'll send this gift to you for free when you say hello at chosenpeople.com slash radio. You can also ask for the book, Why Israel? by Thomas Fretwell when you call us at 888-293-7482 or by writing to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. That's 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. And now let's wrap up today's program with the ironic benediction.
Yevarecha Adonai Vayishmerecha Yair Adonai Panavelecha Vichunecha Yisadonai Panavelecha Vyasim lecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem shall Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.